Uno, uno, dos. Welcome to Two for the Road, Movies with Matt and Adam. I'm Matt. And I'm Adam. Well, we sound like we're in a shower, in a dungeon, <laughs> yeah. under the sea, in some kind of an igloo. Uh, your, your life partner is yes. doing some construction in our uh, normal spot, so yeah. we're in my place. and In our recording studio, well, yeah. our kitchen or living room, uh, dining room, whatever. Right. So we're in my place and my wife's idea of aesthetic beauty is just get rid of everything. So we're in a, <laughs> we're in an empty space and not great for uh, podcasting. No. But okay. So, uh, yeah, so we are a weekly, uh, movie pairing conversation show. Every week we pick a moot, pick a theme, recommend a movie to each other that we haven't seen, discuss. That's it, right? That's it. And we, we, have a big age difference, 25 years or so, so we were seeing films that we normally weren't. Um, I'm 40, Matt is 15. It's yeah, very yeah. weird. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, our, our theme for this week is, what, Angels on Earth? Angels on Earth. We got a couple of them. A couple of them. <laughs> so uh, the first one is Vim... Vim Vendors. Vim Vendors, uh, Wings of Desire, in 1987, starring Bruno Gantz. Uh, Otto Sander and uh, Peter Falk has a small role in it too. Did, did, I mean, are you familiar with any of these German actors? Or I guess the, is the woman French? Yes. Okay. I think she is. Uh, Sol, Solvig, Don Martin. I think she is French. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bruno Gantz is the only one that I've ever seen, and I don't remember where I've seen him. You know, but he was a big film star in Germany for a while, so. Okay. Other than that, there's, there's nobody in here I really recognize. I mean, you, we were drawn to this because of the director, right? right? Right. So before I watched this movie, I heard of it, and everything that I read, this was everyone's favorite movie. Like there was no, there's no lukewarm takes on this movie. Mm-hmm. Nobody was like, "That's fine." Yeah. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have my take yet. Yeah, no. So uh, yeah, you want to get into it? Yes. So, um, so usually we start, well, usually we end with like some like lingering questions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with a question. Okay. It's kind of a weird question, so I might throw you off a little bit. All right. So I'll ask the question, and then I'm going to answer it kind of as I think through it. Is this a movie? Because hmm. obviously it is a movie. I'm not trying to say, like, is it a movie? Is it a film? Something like that. But, like, as I was watching it, I didn't feel like I was watching a movie. Hmm. I felt like I was experiencing something else. I'm not quite sure what that something else was. Like, I felt like... You kind of have the experience of like, you ever wake up and like something's kind of stuck in your head? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I felt. Right. 
Well, I I read the, the review that Roger Ebert wrote, and he basically said the same thing. No, me and Ebert, <laughs> same page. He says it's just it sticks with you, whatever it is. It doesn't have a, a real plot line. It just you know, uh, I'll, I'll read. I, I got a snippet that he wrote, and I'll read it later. Hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it was well. It was written by uh, Ben Benders and a playwright named um, what's his name? Peter Hanke. So, kind of more of a play, maybe. I don't know. I mean, not even that. Like, yeah. I mean, just like the, the mode of storytelling. I mean, I mean, storytelling in air quotes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a story, but also not really. No. I mean, it's, it's mostly just ideas. Yes. Like scattered ideas. It's almost like flipping through like a book of poems. And it's like, well, here's a page, here's a page, here's a page. Yeah, it's all about the same person, but... There's not a really clear narrative. I mean, I, I, I understand the narrative is this guy, this angel, mm-hmm. wants to become human. Right. And he does. And he goes to a very bad rock concert, which we'll touch on later. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he uh, leans in close, and a woman says some pretty crazy stuff to him. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, I mean, is, there's not, like... There's no through line, really. It's just, I mean, the angel thing. But if, if we took this angel character who was, like, throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. if he was a different angel in every scene, it'd be the same result. Right. You know what I mean? Like, his character didn't matter. No, he was his, he was the cat, you know, the catalyst for the story. It was his, you know, what would it be if an angel wanted to become human? What, a, what would it look like? Or how would that happen? Or why would it happen? You know? Yeah, I think this is one of those movies that you don't come out of it thinking, wow, what a great story. You come out thinking. I mean, it made me think. I've seen this three or four times. Mm-hmm. And um, it always sticks with me for a while. What are you thinking about? Just the existence. You know you know me, I'm not a very, I'm not a religious person at all. I'm not that I don't, I, I'm not sure if I believe in God or anything, but the whole concept of angels, the way they're portrayed in this film... They're just kind of watching. Lurking. Lurking. They're we, lurkers. We know some guys like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that guy that we were both thinking of is an actual angel. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the angels in this movie, like you said, they're they're like that strict version of like the watchers, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. just, they're here to record. And by the way, isn't God all-knowing? Anyway, um, yeah. so, hey, whatever. We're not going to get into like religion. But, mm-hmm. So, they're here to record and, and like they take note of the really minor moments mm-hmm. in people's lives. You know, and, and it's like big to them. Yeah, they like they write it down in their little books and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was my takeaway of the yeah. whole movie was that I thought the director was trying to say like the the moments that you might think are throwaway are not. Yes. Because guess what? Eventually, your time's up, mm-hmm. and when you look back in your life, you're not like oh, I'm really glad. Oh, remember that day I got that raise? No, it's like remember that time that yeah, you know, mm-hmm. my I saw my son. Uh, kicked me in the shin and I was really angry and the late was funny you know yeah, like that yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that yeah you remember this, the stuff that you think is, is drivel mm-hmm. you know um, I think it was Gandhi who said that, you know some most things we do may seem in- insignificant but we must do them that's a podcast first Matt yeah. just quoted Gandhi <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're on a new one today alright <laughs> so so yeah so I guess all that is to say I liked it. Mm-hmm. There, there's like a level of poetry to this movie that I think is a little bit lost in translation. Mm-hmm. 
because a lot of it, I mean, the, the most interesting parts, I would say, well, I mean, not all of it, I guess, yeah. I'll say a lot, all of it is see, the, seeing the world through different people's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everywhere these angels go, they hear people thinking. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of tune in to them. And it's like you, you're walking around on the street and it's like a, to them, it's like somebody's changing a radio station every two seconds. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So. And then, you know, you click, you know, they key in on some people and like the, the camera work was phenomenal. We'll talk about that later. And you just kind of like, kind of peer into this person and then they start, start hearing their thoughts. And again, I think the translation left something to be desired mm-hmm. because the thoughts were presented in a way that are very unlike thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like when you, I don't know, I'm about you, but when I think, I don't think I'm going to do this. I mean, that's not like how thoughts are <coughs> really done, but obviously how do you portray a thought? Yeah. It's a complicated question. So I don't fault them, but I think that there was a lot of like poetry in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like, you know, ideas of like story within the story. Mm-hmm. Why am I this person? Why am I not that person? Right. Why am I, why do I exist? And I don't think I'm qualified to really comment on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody is. Really. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I mean, we're, not, we're not English majors. We're not going to rip it apart. No, right? no, no. I, and the whole part about the children, they actually can see the angels still. Can they? Yes. That was one of my questions. Yes. Yeah, they see them as the, they think they're human. They don't know they're angels. Okay, well, these children need a refresher course on stranger danger because <laughs> suddenly there's, there's a creeper in like your bedroom. Yeah, uh, I, I believe that they can see them. They know they're there. It's, and it's, you know, I guess at some point we lose that ability. I think that's what another thing Ben Benders was saying. At some point, that child, because that one, that poem that they read over and over. When a child was a child, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, it eventually you become one of these people who are just thinking mostly miserable things. You know, your life is not, you know, you're, you're no longer like jumping in puddles and stuff like that. You just worry about what's going to happen the next day, you know. Right. And maybe we could even see the transformation of that a little bit. Like there, there are children who see the angels. I guess they see him. Mm-hmm. Definitely see him when he's a man. Right. And they say things like, oh, I think he's drunk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he smelled like daddy. You know? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I guess there is that element of, you know, losing your innocence mm-hmm. and kind of realizing what the world really is. It's a, I guess, hard, cruel place in some respects. Yeah. And vendors kept showing like real film from Berlin during World War Two. So, with you know, uh, during the war, people cleaning up the streets and stuff like that. So, and to him, I think that was like the anti-God stuff, you know, that this is the real world Mm -hmm. is Nazi Germany, you know, in its worst. Well, there's that great scene where the angels, there's still, okay. There's two main characters, right? Mm -hmm. Damiel. Damiel and Cassiel. 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 Yeah. I don't even ever say their names, right? I just know this from Mm -hmm. IMDb. And they have this great scene where they're talking about, remember when we first came here, how long it took for things to happen. And they kind of go through it and they're like, yeah, then we got a road. Then we got Napoleon. Then we got the guns. (laughs) Right. just sort of go through it pretty quickly. They're like, they're, you know, they're kind of like shrugging. Like, yeah, 
That's what they do. As angels, they've been watching before man. They've been waiting. They had to wait mm-hmm. millions of years, and and they kind of described that. You know, that's that's that is that's one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, remember this? I like when they get to the road, and then they, you know, then Napoleon, and yeah, that was great. Great writing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very crisp. Mm-hmm. And so, one thing that kind of struck me about this movie is that it is historical mm-hmm. without being political. Right. Like, I felt like the main message was suffering. Like, hey, it's universal, right? Right. We all suffer. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like suffering, detachment, loneliness, mm-hmm. sort of the big questions of like, why am I here? Yes. What's the purpose of all this? And I thought those were handled really well mm-hmm. in a way that it's not like telling you what to think, but it's just like, like you, like you said, like, hey, maybe you should think. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're right. I don't think you ever come away thinking you were to, to me. I never, I've never seen this movie come away thinking that I just got beat over the head with something. Mm-hmm. It is like here it is. Think, think on your own. Think, you know, think of the possibilities and stuff. You know, it's a very, very thought. It, this movie, I, I. Um, I always feel the same way when I see uh, the thin red line, which is war poetry. Poetry, you know, it's just this. It's so quiet at times, and you can, and they're thinking, and you just, and you start thinking, you know. So I don't know. I love this movie. So <clears throat> yeah, it made me think that if it was if it was if it was remade, it would be too moralistic. It'd be. There'd be a racist. There'd be a woman. You know, it just it be, all these social issues would just be displayed as wrong. But in this case, it wasn't. It was just. It was remade, actually. I, I know. Yeah, but, but yeah, but remade in by this. It was remade as like a rom com or something, right? Yes. So, I mean, come on. Well, that's part of what I'll talk about. What Ebert <laughs> said, you know. Yeah, you're right. If this was made the way Vim Vendors made it, yeah. I'm glad he didn't put any of that stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. If this was remade now, and you were like panning through like a crowd, mm-hmm. and like like you said, like radio dialing into their thoughts, I think it'd be anger. Yes. I don't think it would be sorrow. Right. Because I mean, this was like this is forty years after the war. Yep. You know, a couple years before the wall came down. Mm-hmm. So it was just like that, just misery. I can't imagine what. I mean, they're so miserable. Mm-hmm. They think that Nick Cave is a good artist. Right. I mean, that, come on, can you imagine that misery? To actually think that that's actually quality music? I mean, <laughs> mind-boggling. I know. I mean, I'm not a big Nick Cave fan either. No, I think, no, I think they, <laughs> they all existed in Berlin at that time. Right, right. get into this one was kind of hard to approach so i'm not sure where we are are we yeah i think uh i think i was in from the very beginning i think you seemed like it was 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes like a couple minutes to kind of get oriented into the world, you know, like that. Like we're, we are just the camera is just going to travel into people's lives. Just, mm-hmm. There's no like you pretty quickly realize, oh, I don't need to really like remember mm-hmm. any of these people's faces or anything because they don't matter. They're they not going back, <laughs> right? They, they don't. They don't matter in like the large storytelling way. They only matter in the fact that they're mm-hmm. giving you a piece of like this feeling. They are there for the witnesses. Mm-hmm. Who are the main, you know, characters of the story? So, um, you want to get into some scenes? Yeah, sure. Liked? Mm-hmm. So the first scene that jumped out to me is a library scene. Yes, and it seems like that's where the angels hang out. They hang out in the library. Why? I don't know. That's. I was trying to think like, why is that where people are at like their purest? When like they're like like actually thinking, you know, like processing something. Well, it's quiet. It's quiet. Nobody's talking. Okay. People are just in their own thoughts, their own reading, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And if you and if you remember, the only angels you ever see outside the library are the two main characters. Mm-hmm. Isn't there? Do you, do you ever remember them going through a crowd or anything that they saw other? No. No. They're all holed up in the library. Yeah, they're all holed up in the library. I mean, you don't, no one's yelling at each other in the library. There's right. no fights. No. And again, nowadays, if they went to the library, they'd see homeless people jacking off with the free Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, it's such a beautiful building, too. It is. The Berlin Library. It's a nice library. Yeah, it is. Berlin, you did the libraries right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You really nailed that one. Yeah, so that was cool. And also in this, so there's like, what, four, five characters in this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Then we meet this guy who I guess is called Homer. Mm -hmm. And he's just like the storyteller, right? Right. No real idea why. He says he's a writer. Uh, One interesting thing about him is he reads books backwards. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> just like, yeah. like he starts from the present, and or I guess it's, I guess it's a history book. Yeah, a history but book. Yeah. Like he has it open, and like he starts on the back page and just kind of flips towards the front, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of a interesting way to look at the world. Yeah, Ebert uh, mentioned him in, in his. Uh, I can't remember what it was. In his recap. In his recap, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he was one of the main characters. I mean, he's one of right. the five people that gets a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we see him in the library. And then we meet Marion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Trapeze artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was good, I think. <laughs> you know, kind of a kind of a rundown little circus she w- belongs to, but had some gypsy vibes to it. Yep. yep in in yep. a negative way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And first, of all, I have to say that trapeze artist ankle strength underrated, right? <laughs> I mean, you can hang upside down on a trapeze just by your ankles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we meet her. Her her circus is being canceled. Um, Cassiel and Dom is it Daniel? Damiel. Damiel. See, Damiel is one that I don't think was even in the Bible. Cassiel is like mm-hmm. a he's oh, like he's like know. biblical canon. Okay. But Damiel, maybe it's Daniel. I'm not sure if it's like a German version of Daniel. Oh, it could be. Yeah. I'm not sure. So he starts following the old guy. Um, we see Columbo. <laughs> People call him Columbo. Your boy, Peter <laughs> Falk. Yep. So, sidebar, you have just revisited the entire Columbo series. We binge-watched the whole Columbo series. Well, it took us a while, but yeah, it's fantastic. So, I, I feel like you're like one of the foremost experts on Columbo in the world right now. <laughs> it's so fresh in your mind. 
It was it's so good. But and he's wonderful in this. He just plays himself. Yeah, and why? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why? That's a good question. When, when, I, when we first see him on the plane, mm-hmm. they kind of pass by him, and you're like, "That was weird." But then he comes back. I'm like, "Whoa, that's even weirder!" I didn't think he was coming back. I thought he was like a one-off. Yeah, no, he was. Uh, <clears throat> he was an ex-angel. Turns out. Yeah, we find that out later. Yeah, that he he crossed yeah, Copanero. Is that what he said? Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is like what, like friend or friend or compatriot? Compatriot, yeah, yeah. essentially, yep. Yeah. So that's interesting, and we see the. So also, one of my favorite scenes is when he's trying on hats and clearly improvised, right? He's like, oh, you look like a, you look like a British horse trainer, and like he's like, oh, you look like a look like a Hasidic Jew, or he's like trying all these different hats on, and, and he's acting like he's really mad. Give me a goddamn hat, uh, <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of this is improvised. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where he's having a cup of coffee and um, the trapeze artist comes by that was totally that didn't feel scripted at all no that was almost kind of um, not and in other in, in other movies that would not that probably would not have been in in the film because it it, it was awkward yeah yeah but he kept it in because this is it, you know. This is this. this we're just watching these people, well, and things are awkward sometimes. It was awkward the way that like you would see, you would overhear mm-hmm. that conversation at a bar, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like you and I are both from Florida, and I'm, I'm guessing you've sat at a bar all day. Yes. And just like you know, had your drink and listened to people come and go, and you've seen old guy interact with young girl, and you're just like ah. Oh. I was a bartender for 15 years. That's where I got, that's where I saw it. Yeah. Just across the bar. Yeah. Yeah. A very awkward, like, God, man, stop this. Um, uh, but she was playing along. She was into it. You yeah, know? She, she was, yeah. But also, yeah. But then we've also seen these interactions where the woman's kind of flirty in a fun way. And mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of, see you later, grandpa kind of vibe. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This was a fun chat. Mm-hmm. See you later. Have a good day. Yeah. In fact, can I read a little bit? Sure. So Abert, uh, Ebert mentioned that scene. He says, like many directors who make films of greater length, when Vendors, Vendors is not a perfectionist. He will include what a perfectionist would leave out because of intangible reasons that are more important to him than flawlessness. Consider, for example, the first time the trapeze artist encounters Peter Falk at the coffee stand. Her performance is almost giddy. She seems like an actress pleased to meet a star she's seen on TV. And the scene's reality is broken by her vocal tone and body language. They both seem to be doing an ill-prepared improvisation. They may make it that may make it a bad scene in terms of the movie's narrow purposes. But does it have a life of its own? Yes, for the same reasons it's flawed. Movies are moments of time, and at that, then this is a moment I'm happy to have. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's exactly how I feel about this podcast. I do minimal editing. Leave it in. <laughs> if it sucks, it sucks. It really happened. Yep. I don't care. Yep. <clears throat> but yeah, that's interesting about uh, how you know he could have cut it, but he kept it in. I mean, the movie wasn't long by any means. You no. know, I'm, I'm, the first, I'm the first guy to say cut, 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 yeah, cut, yeah. cut. But well, you know, I, I was thinking and I did. I list, did list the trapeze scene in there as something they could have cut. Until later, when I read that she was Bender's um, partner, 
And she learned how to do this just for the film. So they had to put it in. (laughs) You make me study effing trapeze for six months. You're not even going to put it in. I'm leaving you. I wonder how long they were together. Um, I don't know. She was in several of his movies, but she died. She was like 47 years old. She had a heart attack or something. Wow. Yeah. She wasn't with him at the time. Was she in Paris, Texas? Was she the... No. no. Okay, she wasn't the no, wife in no, that movie? Okay. No, that's, like a that's Nastasia Kinski. Okay. The Polish director, uh, actress. Yeah. You a little young for that. You imagine we'll being married later. to Vim Vendors and then watching Paris, Texas. It's like, this is what you think about family? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God, there's no feature of this. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that uh, next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. We're watching that next week, so. All right, and then see what else happens that are, that's interesting. Am I skipping over anything that you no, want to no, throw out there? No, no, um, no. I wrote very little about this movie. I figured it'd just be a conversation thing. Yeah. Oh, so Columbo on the movie set. Right. So, again, there's this whole extra layer of this movie that I haven't fully interrogated, but it's it's the house within the house, the story within the story. The, there, there's a movie about a movie being filmed and Columbo being aware. I mean, yeah. there's that extra layer now that we find at the end that he's an angel the whole time. And then also he's drawing people. I mean, it just there's all these like levels of representations of things that are not real mm-hmm. versus the real quote unquote real world. And we haven't even talked about the way that color is used, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> this is like how many like I mean you have the world on Columbo's page, you have the world in the movie mm-hmm. set, mm-hmm. you have like the quote unquote world the angels see, you have the world that the humans see. Yeah. yeah. There's so many layers of this. It's, it's incredible. And it was all handled in a way that it was never confusing mm-hmm. or like overly like artistic. You know, it wasn't like, oh, come on. You know, it was never <clears throat> not obnoxious is not the word. Pretentious. Right. That's the word. Pretentious. You know that Simpsons scene where like Barney has like a movie made about him Mm -hmm. and like he's like on the beach and he's like speaking in another language and it's like black and white. (laughs) This movie could have been that like very easily. (laughs) It could have like spiraled into that. Yeah, yeah. But it never got there. It never did. No. No, it stayed true to itself the whole the whole film. And also it stayed pretty gritty. Right. You know, like this is I, I love again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but it's fine. I loved all the overhead shots of Berlin. Like mm hmm. I just want to, like, I don't know if this exists, but I would love a YouTube channel of just slow black and white overhead shots of, like, major cities. Yes. All just, over the world. Just, I would, that would be so cool. Just put it on. Give me something. Give me a glass of bourbon, a hallucinogen, whatever. I'm in. Yeah, we, and we haven't even talked about Berlin being kind of a character and it's, you know, run down way. Because it never really looks that pretty. You know, most of the film, most of the action surrounding this film, it takes place in a like an empty lot. Yeah, like a building used to be there, some or the, you know, and that's where the the the, the circus is and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, circ, uh, Berlin, and at the time, the, the wall was still there. Mm-hmm. So we have this city that just it, it's it looks as unhappy as a lot of the characters. Right. But then conversely, we also get these moments of like beauty and enjoyment. Like there's that <clears throat> scene where the, the uh, trapeze artist woman, you know, she just realizes that the circus is ending mm-hmm. and uh, 
And again, another story inside the story, right? Yeah. The circus inside the greater world, right? So, so she has this idea that the circus is ending. She's walking back to her trailer. She sees one of her circus mates. And they do like a quick little, you know, two-step dance and he dips her. And they're like, you know, like, like, they're like standing around mud puddles. But they're still like, they still have like the flamboyant flair, you know, of, of life. Yeah, well, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, her whole life surround is surrounded by wanting to be a tramp trapeze artist. And she just found out, okay, it's over for the year. Yet she still has enough in her to do that little dance, mm-hmm. that little, see, I'm still happy, I'm still, you know, right now, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, that was, there's, a, and there's scenes with the little kids, you know, at the circus, that one little girl with the with the big glasses who just is so happy, you know, and she just keeps looking at the angel, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, you have a lot of those moments, the, the beauty. <clears throat> and another example is when the angel, the main guy, mm-hmm. uh, Damiel, when he first becomes human, and he kind of wakes up and his arm, did a helicopter drop his arm? Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. anyway, uh, anyway, so he wakes up. He has his arm. He's kind of carrying it, and he sees these like yellow pipes and this graffiti on the wall. And he's asking this guy like, "What's this?" He's yeah. like, "Those are yellow." He's like, "What's that?" He's like, "Well, that's blue." You know, he's like, he's like learning these colors. He's like, "Oh my god!" Like, you know, you guys just walk by this all day and don't just like sit and stare like. <laughs> God, look at that shade of blue mm-hmm. on this curse word that's been graffitied on the wall. You know, like I want to appreciate this for a moment. Yeah, because everything, everything, the, whenever the angels are present or seeing, it's in black and white, mm-hmm. and they don't see color. And yeah, he was like, "This is better than I thought." Just right. you know, because that's all he can think about is experience and things in life right he's like I'm going to sell this armor and buy the ugliest coat I can find <laughs> and he does I want a coat no. with all the colors isn't that <laughs> what you do isn't that high fashion and he does mm-hmm. he buys the world's ugliest coat good on you Berlin Peter, <laughs> Peter Falk told me he got ripped off when he sold his armor yeah 200 <laughs> come on I got 540 years ago 30 years ago <laughs> that's funny uh, see what else um yeah, and then, I mean, I guess we should talk about the relationship between mm-hmm. the angel and the trapeze performer. Yes. So, there's a lot of really cool shots where, so first of all, I'll just like back up a little bit. The whole movie works because the two angels, and I guess the actors around them, are so good at not reacting to the angels being like right on them mm-hmm. and touching them. And the camera work where like it almost feels like they're kind of like melding into each mm-hmm. other and mm-hmm. all that stuff was done well. Some of the effects are a little bit cheesy, but whatever. It's right. What is this? 35 years ago? 33 years ago? So whatever. Forgiven. Um, and that was all done really cool. And there's a lot of really cool camera work where like the perspective changes from like being above to being below. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's that scene where the angel comes into the woman's like dressing room and he kind of sinks down below her little like makeup mirror thing whatever yeah. it is all yeah. that stuff was awesome well yeah we were, uh, uh, I actually wrote down the cinematographer's name because we ver- we rarely talk about music or cinematography and all that stuff but his name is Henri Alakin and guess the circus was named after him oh okay it was kind of a Thing that Vin Vendors did. 
named the circus after him. I like those little nuggets. Yeah, yeah. he did a. I mean, you're right. The cinematography in there is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, well, this is the same guy. I guess he's he must have been pretty old at a time because he was uh, Cocteau's. Uh, uh, what's his name? Jean Cocteau, the French director. He was his director for Beauty and the Beast, which was made in the 30s. Hmm. So he he's a, did a great job, especially with the, you know because it went back and forth between color and, and you know the, the shadows and everything was just you know tremendous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, real quick shout out. One of my favorite shots, mm-hmm. which I think you could watch this movie several times and not even notice it, but the Cassiel, I think it's Cassiel, mm-hmm. gets on a bus, this double-decker bus, mm-hmm. and he's on the top, and the bus kind of pulls out, and it's like, we see, it's just a way that I've never seen a bus filmed, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, I love seeing a movie where I can just see a thing I see all the time in a way I've never seen it before, mm-hmm. and it was this like backlit bus where it's all blacked out, except the inside is lit, he's there, then we go inside, and we see this long procession of empty seats empty in front seats. of him. Which kind of felt like a church pew, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Ah, oh, this is really, really cool." Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that scene. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like you, there's nobody on the bus, mm-hmm. and you see that you know it's like he's riding this bus, and there's nobody on it right now. And we didn't even talk about Cassiel and the guy that committed suicide, right? Right. So Cassiel has like a different journey in this, right? He's he's walking around, he's kind of following Homer, just because that guy's interesting. Because mm-hmm. this guy's just kind of like pondering that his whole thing is like. You know, this generation is losing its sense of storytelling. No one's listening to each other, obviously, because they can't hear each other's thoughts. Like, no one talks to each other anymore. Everyone's, like, lost inside their own self, mm-hmm. essentially, is his big gripe. And, you know, he's kind of, like, walking around. And he doesn't do anything. Like, he walks yeah. around. He thinks to himself. Thinks he sits on a couch in the middle of a field. And he's just, no. just, just, an, just an old guy, just doing old guy things. Yeah. But then Cassiel sees this guy on a bridge. Mm-hmm. And he kills himself. And he tries to stop him, but I guess he's too late. I guess he no, can't. they can't really do They can't really stop him. Okay. They can only offer that moment where they get really close to him. Uh-huh. In like a, it's like a... Um, I, you, you it's know, like a that's the only thing I can feel. They can't really feel it. They, they can't really stop him. It's like a low-level Jedi mind trick thing where it's like... You I just, want you to feel my presence, mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. but not enough to stop. This sometimes thing. it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you just feel like euphoric or something, or you just feel very, um, uh, you know, like feel warm. Mm-hmm. I think somebody mentions that. I felt a little, you know, this warm feeling or something. So, but he, yeah, he can't stop people. Mm-hmm. It's just sad, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's his job is just to observe, watch, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I would have liked to see a little bit more of his experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of fades away pretty quickly. Once that happens, there's not much more of him. He's still walking around, but you, you, you understand that he's he's bummed out. Yeah, he, and he's watching his partner a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, he's they're both at that Nick Cave concert. Nick Cave concert, or there was a were they both Nick Cave concert? Yes. Okay. That's, I couldn't figure that out. He looked different the second time. I don't know. Maybe because he was sitting down. <laughs> Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. The Bad Seeds. So, yeah. But, you know, that was one thing he was doing, was watching his partner. And he doesn't really, when his partner tells him he's going to take the jump, 
he doesn't really react. Well, he says it's impossible. Yeah. And that happens. Yeah. <laughs> guess it's possible. Yeah, guess. Then we find out it was <laughs> yeah. happened before. Right. Peter yeah. Falk. Cassiano's is like, hypothesis disproved. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, <clears throat> anything else? You, I mean, anything else you'd like to... No, I want to read that little clip of, right. of uh, Ebert and just a little thing out of his... Yeah, because we're coming up on 35 yeah, yeah. minutes, so we should probably... And he's talking about City of Angels. And comparing it to this. Who's in that? Is that like a Nick Cage? Nick Cage. Uh, Andre Brower's in it, who's one of my favorite actors. He he plays the Cassiel kind yeah. of character. Nick Cage. Uh, Meg Ryan is not a trapeze artist. She's a surgeon. Okay. okay. Hold on. I need to look this up real quick. Okay, go ahead. Because, um, I mean, yeah. Is this when Nick Cage was... This is like the height of Nick Cage. What year was this? Was he like slipping at this time? I think it was 90s. Late 90s? 98. 98. Alright. It's uh. just... But it, they, like they meet... like they, I'm guessing in the City of Angels version, they meet within the first 15 minutes and they have like a romantic involvement for an hour and a half. I think that's the way it was. Okay. Yeah, it was totally not... Don't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis France. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's good people in it, but Andre yeah. Brower really is. He's a tremendous actor. But anyways, this is what uh, Ebert said. City of Angels is a skillful romantic cop- comedy, and I enjoyed it, but it all stayed there on the screen, content to be what it was. Wings of Desire doesn't release its tension in a smooth plot payoff. It creates a mood of sadness and isolation, of yearning and transience of earthly things. If the human being is the only animal that knows it lives in time, the movie is about that knowledge. So. Ebert getting deep. Yeah, he really liked it. Yeah, apparently. I imagine you have any lingering questions about this? No, I just... It's a bit... I mean, it, it makes me think every time I see it, you know, about the existence of angels. I have three, and I'll move from okay. least serious to most serious. So at the end, <clears throat> when the trapeze artist is in the concert, she has this swoopy dupe hairstyle where it's like totally, it's almost like what I'm having now with my slick, my gel hair. Like one side is totally slick and the other side is kind of poofed out. Mm-hmm. Can we bring that back? It did look good. That was a very attractive. It did look good look. on her. Yeah, yes. it looked very good on her. Yeah. Like I was like, God damn, like if anything could come back, like we got these like high waisted, wide bottom jeans for ladies. Like, come on, you look terrible in that. Yeah. Do something crazy with your hair. She looked tremendous. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. I just wrote down Nick Cave, what the fuck? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and vendors must be good friends. I mean, I, I read like I read like a little snippet of, and he said that I couldn't do a movie in Berlin without Nick Cave. I'm like, what? I Is guess, he that important? I guess so. I didn't know that. I mean, he's like, ah, he's like poor man's Jim Morrison. Is kind of what vibe I was getting, but like. With a really worse backing band? <laughs> poor, so, poor man's Lou Reed or something. You know? Yeah. It's just like mindless screaming with like like guys learning how to play guitar on stage. Right. It's like, oh, and this is awful. I hate this. And a guy with really tight pants and just yeah, walking around pants. like he's, you know. I hated it. Yeah. I, I didn't even like it in a way like, oh, maybe I would get into this. I was like, no, no. I'm very like situational about like, okay, I would listen to this song at this time, this song at this time. It's like what ritualistic murder music. I mean, when would you ever listen to that? I would never. It just bored me to death. <laughs> I feel like you need to sit in just like a red room alone 
and listen to this and just like stab yourself in the arm with like a pen or something. Just awful. All right, and then here's my final question, a little right. more serious. And this could maybe goes back to what you're saying about angels. Do you think religious people like this movie? I wouldn't think so. Why not? I don't know. I, I don't, don't, I don't know. know. I, I don't <laughs> never talk to anybody who is a religious person who ever watched this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, most people I know are heathens. <laughs> but yeah, we do, we I do don't run know. What do the, you think? We run with a heathen crowd. Um, I mean, for, I mean, okay, so pros and cons, right? Mm-hmm. Pro confirms the existence of God and angels. Mm-hmm. Maybe like that. Con. No, I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I can't even make con. I think it's all pro. I think it's, I, I mean, there is this like weird, like historical literary tension that angels want to be humans. Mm-hmm. Like the way that like athletes want to be rappers or yeah, something. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's this like weird thing. That <laughs> I'm the greatest happens. basketball player in the world, but I want to be a rapper. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Shaquille O'Neal on the Fusionicans. Right. Um, yeah, there was that weird thing. It's like, we just, be happy being the best angel you can be. But I don't know. I think that it's overall positive because it does get at the core of like the human experience, which is free will. Mm -hmm. But it does also kind of, I guess there's not a lot of God in it, right? That's what that was my thing. You don't really, God is never mentioned. Mm Mm-mm. But we have angels, yeah. so I suppose there is a God. But God, they, they, they never talk about, you know, like in the second movie we watch, they talk about God all the time. Right, right, right. <laughs> like a bunch of disgruntled employees. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're, they're in their break room. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, God is never mentioned. Only, but you see God through the angels in their, you know, the way they... And maybe that's what Ben Benders is saying. God is just here for us to talk to, let them, you know, as our witnesses. Mm-hmm. Who else witnesses us, our lives, in so many ways? You know, especially because our lives are so much in our heads. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure, but we'll, uh, I guess maybe we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And you want to take a break here? We'll come back and we'll oh. talk about. We're going to do the scores. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry, the scores. Uh, right. Sorry. So wrapped up. Huh. Okay, so the uh, we'll do IMDb first. Okay. This is 65,000 reviews checking in. I'm going to go an 8. It's exactly. got to be an 8, right? Over. Exactly an 8. Yeah, what is it? Okay. Huh. Yeah. I think it could be higher, but I think there's probably an element of people who watch this and go, ugh, subtitles. I mean, I think there's like that crowd. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's just like, because, you know, this is just like the masses, right? Mm-hmm. So there's people going like, oh, religion, uh, subtitles, man, right. black and white, yeah. So there's, there's, there's those people. So. Right, right. But yeah, I and mean, this should probably be like 8283. Yeah. Well, there's one web critic named Peter Vanderlinden that, that, that he mentioned, that Ebert mentioned. He says, and he said, <laughs> nothing gonna... happens, but it takes two hours and there's a lot of complex symbolism. Yeah. That's Peter, what he said. That's the point, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Guess where else nothing happens? Your small little life, Peter. Yeah, that's now right. go home and meditate on it, you <laughs> little bitch. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We went too far, Peter. Uh, Ron Tomatoes. I got to go 99. Critics, 98. 98. Okay. Deserving. And, and then audience is 93. Okay. Critic consensus, beyond ravishing... Wings of Desire is Vim Vendor's. Whoa. No, Let me start over because the grammar is wrong on this. Mm-hmm. I gotta figure out which verb to omit. Beyond Ravishing, Wings of Desire 
is Vim Vendor's aching and heartbreaking exploration of how love makes us human. Mm. Mm. I agree with 80% of that. I didn't think that like the love story was a major part. I thought it was more about like suffering mm -hmm. and figuring out like a way, yeah, like a way to like, maybe that made that was the love part, a way to like figure out like, how do I make this work? Mm. How do I make all this crap tolerable? And maybe just, maybe that, maybe that's what the love thing is at the end. When well, I think, yeah, I think that up until that point where he does, you know, come down to earth and falls in love with this woman. I mean, that's pretty much makes him human at that point. He just wanted to feel what it was like to shake his, you know, rub his hands together. Like Peter Falk told him that he didn't, you know, he wanted to fall in love, but he wanted to do all these other things. So the love thing was an important part, but not the biggest part. I don't find it to be a, ro I mean, I think even even described as a romantic movie. It's not, I don't really feel that way. Yeah, that guy is really excited about like rubbing his hands together. Wait till he uh, feels a woman's touch. Yeah, nuts. Okay, so um, I'm introducing a new category just on the fly to our little movie thing here, Matt. Mm -hmm. This is the we got robbed category. So, for, so the Academy Award foreign language films. So this would be the 1988 Academy Awards, right? Okay. Is, is that right? So yes. this is just, just okay. So the winner is Babette's Feast. Okay. Is this? I haven't even heard of it. I've seen it. And I was actually going to suggest we watch it. It's not Wings of Desire. It's interesting. French film was nominated. Au revoir, l'enfance. <laughs> Goodbye, children. Mm -hmm. Spanish movie called Course Completed. Italian movie called The Family. Norwegian movie called Pathfinder. No. This one's not even nominated? Not <laughs> even nominated. They, I think they did win at Cannes. They did? Yeah. Which is surprising that it's not even nominated. Right. Well, I, I think a lot of people aren't going to like this movie. For the same reasons we love. We love. You seem to love it. I, I mean, I, I love it. Like I said, I don't even know if it's a movie, but I yeah. liked it. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a... Like I said, you're flipping through the pages of life. I don't know. It's... Mm -hmm. yeah. It doesn't always make sense, and there's some very terrible music in it. Mm -hmm. That aside... It's beautiful. Well, it, uh, one last Ebert quote. He yeah. says, "For me, the film is like music or a landscape. See, it's the same thing. It's not a. It's not a film. Mm -hmm. It clears a space in my mind, and in that space, I can consider questions. Some of them are asked in the film. Why? I, why I am I me and not you? And why not you? Why am I here and why not there? When did time begin and where does space end? Huh. So that's what it is. It's not. It's like a painting." Mm -hmm. Or a beautiful, like you said, poem. Yeah. And when it ends, it doesn't end, right? Like, right. like Ebert's still thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyways, everybody's got to see this. So let's take a break and talk about Kevin Smith. Yes.
And we're back. So we're going to now turn to a movie that's a little bit less serious. Yes. <laughs> but yes, a lot of the same vibes, right? I mean, so, you know, same issue of angels on earth. Right. And how do they feel about their place in the Lord's hierarchy right. of things? Yeah. <laughs> they are a couple wayward angels. Wayward. Good word. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, Kevin Smith's, is it 1999? 1998? 98, I think. 98 movie. 99. Is it 99? Okay. Yeah. A 99 movie Dogma. Mm-hmm. So Matt, I first want to start with a little bit of an apology. Okay. Because I don't think you like this movie very much. Because mm-hmm. I was watching it again. The things that I thought were really funny as an 18-year-old didn't really land as much. Like, there's a lot of, like, dick and fuck jokes in this. I'm just like, that's dumb. But I thought it was still pretty funny in some ways. Mm-hmm. And the cameos are fun. But I think maybe you didn't find this movie very funny. No, I didn't. Um, you know, because two two of the main characters are Kevin Smith and what's his name from Clerks, yeah. right? Jay. Jay. <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not. I mean, I mean, I didn't mind this movie. It was thought provoking in, in a way. This is more about religion than God, I think. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the movie, first one's about God. The, the first movie we watched. This one's more about religion. Well, I would say the first movie is about life. Yeah, mm-hmm. this movie is like, hey, the things you think are dumb, dummy. You know, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's kind of like, like I don't know how to like verbally express like, but putting your thumb against your nose and wiggling your fingers and saying like the things you think are dumb. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but okay, but what do you think? There's not that second right. part, you know? There's no, yeah. They're very immature overall. It's a very immature, but where Wings of Desire was, is totally mature and, you know, in this movie is just, it's thought provoking, but it's so childish at times. But I will say, there's a lot that I still enjoyed out of it. I enjoyed it. I mean, I I remember I tried to watch this, or I I came up in the middle of it at some point uh, years ago. Well, no, years ago I was just maybe I was thumbing through TV or something, Uh and it was on. Um, And I remember thinking um, that uh, what's his name, Chris Rock, drove me crazy because he's not a very good actor. But this time it didn't bother me as much. Mm-hmm. Be, well, I mean, you're right. I didn't watch it because I I just caught this five minute clip of it where Chris Rock was just totally driving me crazy. This was you know 20 years ago, uh-huh. or whatever. And this and it didn't really bother. He didn't really bother me that much. Right, Chris, Chris Rock. Time. I think he's one of the greatest stand up comedians of all time. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably uh, if he's not top five, he's like top seven. Yeah, and. His movies are always like, they also drive me crazy. I'm like, God, oh, you're so funny, but you're also really bad at acting and picking roles. Didn't, he didn't drive me so crazy this time because I realized everyone was kind of figuring out how to act in this movie. Like, no one quite knew what to do except <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> I think Matt Damon killed this movie. He he was the only one who really seemed to have fun. Uh-huh. He right. was having a great time in this movie. Right. You know? And I know his character is sort of that way, but you can see it in Matt Damon's eyes. This is a blast. And he's still relatively young right. in that movie, but him and Ben Affleck both. 
I feel like Matt Damon realized before this movie that he's Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. And he's like got a certain gravitas. And in this movie, he's like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can say whatever I want. His, his, whole, his whole role seemed to be done with a wink. Like, oh, yeah. I know. I'm the only one who gets it in this whole movie. <laughs> oh, I am. Right, right. My role is funny because I'm Matt Damon. That's right. Chris Rock, your role has to be funny because you have to be funny. Yes. Yeah. You need to get that. And he's the, he's the funny guy. And he's not funny in this movie, Chris Rock. Not that much. Yeah, really. Damon's funnier. Oh. Kills it. <laughs> the, the first half of this movie... It's just me going, when's Matt Damon going to be back to, back on the screen? <laughs> like, Linda, Linda Florentino? Yeah. Hey, you had a good run? It's over. I'm sorry. You do, you do nothing for me in this movie. That's pretty much true, too, in her career. Yeah. She she only lasted a couple more years. She has Okay, so maybe we should just address her real quick. Mm-hmm. She has a very bizarre filmography. Yes. I actually have that up. To, to talk about that. Okay, you want to talk about now? Yeah, yeah, you up? yeah, why not? Yeah. So two years before this movie, she was in Men in Black yes. as the third lead. Right. <laughs> I, I'm guessing you've maybe never seen Men in Black. I have. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I've probably seen it a couple times just because it came out when I was 16, 17, and yeah. I was like right in the target market. I can't even remember her in that movie. I don't either. I know there was a person who had long hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no idea who, who it was. She uh, has a, a very weird career where she, in the early or mid-90s, she was huge. She was a huge star, an up-and-coming star. She was in her best, her best movie is The Last Seduction. Okay, I've never it, seen you know, that. That's, that's incredible. And she is perfect for that role. But she was she was doing a lot of beyond, uh, you know, she was doing a lot of movies. And then in 2002, it all stopped. So in Last Seduction, I'm guessing she plays the devious sex pot. Yes. <laughs> God, to live my whole life to be described as a devious sex pot. Like, yeah. I mean, we still have goals, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, okay, so she did like, she was in Jade? I mean, is that also another movie with like Dave? How many movies with David Caruso is she doing? Yeah, that like, was terrible. Jazz Palminari? Yeah, it's just weird. Like, she's just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you got to see her in Last Seduction. That's an incredible movie, but Jade's awful. Check uh, her out in After Hours. Yeah, After Hours. I guess she was in Vision Quest? I don't know. I mean, just. You know, she's in all these, like, she's in these, like, weird, like, touchstones of, like, pop culture, but she's. Completely forgettable, right? To me, at least. I'm. Mean, I hate. I hate to crap on this person because I never met her. But I mean, you know, by all accounts, she was trying her hardest. But yeah, man, she just is not right for this role. I think. Oh, definitely. No, it should have been. I thought it should have been some. Um, a totally different person. Well, why wasn't it just Janine Garofalo? Yeah, who I, we both love. <laughs> I mean, she was in the movie for five minutes. Just. Uh, is there a scheduling conflict? Like, why couldn't she be the lead? You know what I mean? Like, I mean... She would have been much funnier dealing with uh, Jay... Right. Than, ...than Linda Fiorentino was. Right. About 12 minutes of this movie was Jay going, I'm going to bang you. I'm yeah, going to yeah. bang you. Oh, you're oh, you do you. anal? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, ah. Like, again, as a kid... I was like, oh man, that Jay, mm-hmm. he's so funny. But as an adult, I'm like, okay, man, like just move it on. Like, get yeah, yeah. it. Like, this guy's horny. I I would have liked it if they hadn't been in the movie. 
I would have liked it a lot more. I th- okay, so I thought they had a couple funny lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sure they did. Yeah. Like when Jay said, he's talking about like Silent Bob crying. There's nothing sadder than watching a fat man cry. Like all the jokes that were not about like penises or drugs, mm-hmm. I thought were pretty good. Right. When Silent Bob throws the guy off the train, the second guy off the train, and does that Harrison Ford homage, like yeah. no ticket. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like all the stuff where like Kevin Smith is like aware that other movies exist, all that stuff was cool. But the pull penis thing, oh, it's, just, it. it's, it's so a, old. You're a dick. I, I know. Okay, get one last thing about her. Sure. She was, it was like the, the role in Last Seduction, she was written for that role. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was written for her. That's, she's perfect in that role. But devious. everything else is, she doesn't really do much. Yeah, you're really good at devious sex pot. Yeah, she's just great at that. Do more of that. Yeah. I mean, that's all the 90s were, right? The 90s were just like, hey, listen, <laughs> if you're a devious sex pot, we got, we, got, we got a movie for you. Right. I mean, maybe Sharon Stone came in her lane a little bit. It Well, Jade's sort of the same thing. Devious it, sex pot. Devious sex pot. So, and that's just bad. It's just an awful movie. Um yeah, William Friedkin did it too. <laughs> oh, he's real up and down. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was written by Joe Ezerhaus, who was just terrible. So, anyways, let's get back to <laughs> Dogma. All right, so yeah, Dogma. So uh, we got angels with I remember angels with balls, and I had to edit it to angels with guns. Mm-hmm. So they don't have balls. We find that out very quickly. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're very. That's one of the jokes, the running jokes. Mm-hmm. We don't have penises. Yeah, I, I feel like if. There was like an ooga horn after every general joke. Maybe it would have been funnier. Right, Just right. Like, general joke. But again, this is, you know, over 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and that stuff was maybe a little more provocative. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean, you got a, you got a movie with, with funny people in it, like George Carlin. He's not exactly funny in this he's, movie. He's not. No. I mean, he's got a couple funny lines, yeah. and he's like, I mean, his, but his lines are like things that maybe he improv, right? He's like, they talk about like smoke, the tobacco and she's like, oh, if we had their numbers. Like yeah. that stuff is like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a funny line. Yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but when it comes down to being the funniest person in the movie, it's Matt Damon. So Yeah. I mean, it's not the, the funny guys. Right. You got Chris Rock, you got George Carlin, and the funniest person in your movie, and Janine Groffalo, yeah. and the funniest person in your movie is Matt Damon. Right. That's either a really good writing for Matt Damon, mm-hmm. or... Uh, mm. So, um, I don't know. I mean, do we need to... I guess we'll run through the plot very quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, if you have any comments on these scenes, so... Uh, okay, well, I guess we'll start here. God gets beaten up. Right. Okay, so... And then... An interesting idea. You know, God being... You know, coming down to play skee-ball mm-hmm. as a mortal... Kind of funny. I mean, see, like a lot of this movie, you never watched that TV show Supernatural, did you? Mm-mm. Okay, because a lot of this movie feels like Supernatural took a couple of elements of this, like, oh, there's, there, you know, God likes to hang out on Earth, and angels walk among us, and demons too. Mm-hmm. They kind of made that a whole, like, it's kind of X-Files, like Monster of the Week kind of thing. Yep. So, some of the stuff is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Coming back to it was not so much... God being Alanis Morissette. Yeah. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> Who would you have chosen as God? Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. I don't know. I mean, uh, what are your options? I would have Jewel, <laughs> Julia Roberts, 
Christina Aguilera? I mean, I don't know like, yeah, what the I options are. I don't know. She, yeah, cause it, it, she didn't really have much to do. She stood on her head. Fell over. It, it fell over. She had kind of a wry smile that she just, you know, I don't know. It did, that, that part was so unimportant anyways. It was. <laughs> So, well, so, okay, well, so much of this movie was so unimportant. It was like, oh, my God, this thing's going to happen. Oh, no, wait, it's not. Mm-hmm. That's the whole, the whole movie was, oh, no, oh, this thing just fixed it. It was like a, like the worst version of like a comic book movie. Yes. Where it's like, oh, no, this thing is going to happen. Oh, wait, we have a guy or a woman who has the exact power to stop that thing from happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, Kevin Smith, comic books. <laughs> He's a comic book guy. So uh, okay, so we guy gets beaten up. Mm-hmm. We see George Carlin. He's he's a cardinal, which maybe he thought was very funny. Yeah, yeah. And see, we see Damon and Ben at the app, uh, airport, uh, still greeting people at the gate. <laughs> by the way, which is yeah, yeah. kind of jarring to see in a movie. Like, oh yeah, I guess you could used to be able to do that. Uh, they have a holy loophole. If they cross this threshold, they get into heaven. Very. Yeah. God didn't know there was a loophole. Although God knows all, right. except for the loophole. If only God had a contract lawyer, <laughs> things would be different. Lena Florentino and Janine Garofalo, they're abortion clinic doctors. They work there. I don't think they're doctors. Okay. I think they're just all whatever. Right. So. Kevin Smith wading into political waters, right? He's clearly pro-choice, and mm-hmm. that comes out loud and clear. You get Alan Rickman. Well, that was part of it, was this Catholic woman works at an abortion clinic. Right. And when we get this kind of funny shot of church, everyone's like sleeping, or they have headphones in, or they're whatever. One guy's dead, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman's a guy that always makes a movie better. He's one of those guys. He's, he's really funny in this. Yeah, I wanted more of him and less of the the other two. Yeah, I think if we were remaking this, that would be Ricky Gervais. Yes. Oh, yes. And then and that's another thing. As I was watching this, like you know what, a lot of these ideas were more shocking at the time, but people like Ricky Gervais have taken this stuff and just just thrown it into the fucking universe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mean, so he's <laughs> now this stuff seems trite. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, his God stuff is great. Right. So, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Hard to compare. Yeah. Uh, we see James on Bob. Eh, you know, my favorite parts of the team, not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Damon goes crazy on a bus, kills a guy, shoots him that in the back. That was a little weird. Yeah. A little that weird. was a little dark for this film. Well, like when he comes yeah. out, he's like, whose house runs out? I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that little like he's having fun, right? He's like, yeah, I'm going to pull a rap song for my childhood. Mm-hmm. Oh, we see Chris Rock as Rufus the Apostle again. Kind of an interesting idea that Jesus had a black friend that got edited out, but there wasn't much done with it, you know? No, that was wasted. I think it was just to put Chris Rock on the movie. Yeah. I think because it didn't really make sense. It didn't really, it wasn't a big part of the movie. And he's got like that rolled up piece of paper. It's like, Yo, Rufus, see you later. Sign Jesus or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I thought he had a cigarette in his ear. Yeah. 
Yeah, Chris Rock, underused. Thank God. Yeah. You know who is not underused? Selma Hayek. Oh, yeah. Has she ever looked sexier than her, like, dancing for a bunch of doofuses? I saw her the other day. She still looks great. Oh, she listen. Uh, she's still incredible. Yeah. Um, oh, there's the yeah. God. I, I went back to 18 year old Adam when I watched. It, I was like, oh my god, remember that? Dustal Dawn from Dustal Dawn. Oof. She did that in it. Yeah, same thing. She, she's sexy. She. I don't often have like, oh yeah, she does it for me, but I think she might be the one. Yeah, I think about it. <laughs> We get a movie boardroom. So again, another cool idea. There's mm-hmm. this like golden calf character, which is like Mickey Mouse or Barney at the time or whatever it was. Yeah. And it's kind of a cross between McDonald's and Disney. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I was the vibe, the colors and everything were McDonald's like. Yeah, and very future thinking that like, hey, all these things are going to be one eventually. Right. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. It's all going to be Amazon in you know, <laughs> like two or three months. Right. So that was cool, and then I liked when they broke down everyone in the boardroom, like, you're this, you're this. Except they weren't all equal. No. <laughs> One guy's like, and then your son killed himself. Anyway, you cheated on your taxes. It's like, wait a minute, go back to the other guy. That's way worse. Everybody except the one woman in the boardroom, and she was the only good one. And she didn't bless him after he yeah, sneezed. Yeah, so. I was wondering what that was. You know, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, a lot of the jokes were telegraphed. Yes. Right? You're like, oh, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That's coming back. Yeah. We didn't even mention Jason Lee. You know, who was his character? He's a muse. Yeah, he was it's like... Because I think Kevin Smith combines all these religions. There's... Or muses and angels and... Yeah. Prophets and... That is the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, again, this movie had a lot of interesting ideas some funny moments but what I found was like the biggest problem is like when someone shows up it's like oh I'm Asriel let me explain to you who I am for a minute and 45 seconds right <laughs> it's, like, it's like everyone had to do that because we need the backstory because none of it makes fucking sense nobody would know who any of them were right you know yeah just, I don't like movies that have to be explained yeah. well you know one of my mottos is if you're explaining you're losing right so <laughs> yeah you already haven't done your job right there's a lot of explaining in this I mean that's why you in the, our first movie there's no explaining it's no. just laid there here think about it well in, in the in the Wings of Desire it doesn't matter who the angels are Mm-mm. because their motivations are not contingent on their past right you know what I mean it's just mm. yeah it's true so, yeah, we get Jason Lee. And also, I'm guessing you're not a big fan of um, Kevin's. You know, Kevin Smith has a production com- company mm-hmm. called View Askew, and he has the Askew Universe, which is like how all of his movies are kind of connected mm-hmm. in some ways. I mean, obviously, Jane and Bob are like the through line, but um, so, you know, Jason Lee was. He was in Mallrats and other movies. So, and also, you saw Clerks. So I said Clerks. Dante yeah. from Clerks was mm-hmm. the reporter in this one. So, mm-hmm. You know, and Randall from Clerks was the gun salesman. So yeah, it's all connected in a way that's lots of fan service. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm guessing if you're stoned and you're watching this movie as a teenager, you're like, oh, crap, it's Dante. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes yeah. you very happy. You've already watched all those yeah. other ones. Yeah. That makes you very happy for a second. I was very surprised. I looked at Kevin Smith's directorial IMBD. He hasn't really done that, hasn't really done that much. 
He's more of a producer than anything. I really? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like... Okay, now we're going to it because I feel like he's done like, I don't know, dozens of movies? Maybe I'm wrong? Maybe. I, I don't know. As a director or a writer? What are we looking director. at? Director. Okay. Director. Let's pull it up. Kevin Smith, This Is Your Life. Let's see. As a director, he's... I mean, he's got 30 credits. Yeah, 30 credits. I mean, some of the stuff is like shorts and, you know, cartoons or whatever, but TV shows. Some of TV but, shows. But, I mean, as far as movies, he hasn't really done that many movies. Not as many as I thought he had. Yeah. Actually. Well, I mean, it's, it's all very incestuous and, like, contained, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's his thing, and that's what people like. He... Mm-hmm. I think he... This is gonna sound very hypocritical, but I think I think he did himself a disservice by doing his podcast. Because mm-hmm. then you get like, because he's got like one of the original podcasts called the Smodcast, S M O D Cast, and it's just like him just all the time. It's like, yeah, I, now we don't need the movies because we get your, your yeah. movies all the time. Like the appeal is like, we have this nugget coming from you like every year or two. Yeah, right. In the nineties, early two thousands, like, oh, Kevin Smith dropped something new. That's what I, was more appealing to me. Okay, uh, moving on. There's a turd monster. I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> Why? Yeah, it's the juvenile comes out. You gotta have a turd monster. Yep. Oh. What should he be made of? I don't know. We think blunts. <laughs> what do we think turds, dildos. Yeah, let's go turds. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's a turd monster. Um, we find out God's a woman. Mm-hmm. Azrael comes and warns Loki and Barterby. They end up on a train with our heroes. Like the whole plot. Yeah, you're just you're sense. just confusing everybody. Let's not even go. <laughs> okay, the, okay. The plots. Okay. Uh, doesn't even really mean anything. Let's see. Flash forward ahead. So it all comes down to like the showdown, right? Right. At the at the end with now, Affleck and Damon have like flipped like personalities. Right. right? Damon mm-hmm. is more like he's drunk mm-hmm. and he's got his wings cut off, so he's human, so he can get drunk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it's probably a bad idea. Kind of having second thoughts. Yeah, because because Affleck went, you know, just crazy. They murder, I don't know, dozens, hundreds of people. Right. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Affleck's flying people in there and just dropping them on their head. And, and, and apparently the cops have refused to show up. You see, there's live on television. These reporters are getting burned or whatever, you know, getting killed. Where are the cops? Another difference between now and like then in the modern times. I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing many police uh, forces around the country have angel killer bullets, at least they think they do, <laughs> and they can bust those out. But then, see, it, the end is terrible with this movie. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, we have to rely on Ben Affleck. And I think Ben Affleck's a fine actor in 2021 mm-hmm. but in 1999 he was still kind of trying to figure it out right he was really good in this movie when he was on the train talking to Linda Florentino because yes. he was he's, I think he was just being a charming Boston asshole mm-hmm. and he was doing that very well mm-hmm. but then when he has to like act he's like and compare him to Matt Damon who are <laughs> most of their scenes are together right. you're seeing Matt Damon have fun he's he's rocking and then and he looks clueless yeah. Affleck looks clueless it's like, like he, doesn't know, he doesn't know who his character is I always go back to like you talking about um, in Friday mm-hmm. Ice Cube and, and uh, Chris Tucker yeah. I like so ben, da- or ben Damon Ben Affleck would be the Ice Cube in this like mm-hmm. you know Matt Damon is Chris Tucker just going crazy improv and just doing whatever and, and Ben Damon slash Ice Cube was like, 
two seconds behind, like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, how do I react to this motherfucker? Yeah. I mean, when you were, when you, when you're acting with somebody like Matt Damon was going or Chris Tucker, yeah, you have to be really quick. Mm-hmm. And they're, they seem to be behind a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely, Damon had a step on him mm-hmm. for sure. And everyone did in this movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, when he's flying down with his wings and he's like, uh, I don't forget, I, mean, I don't know what he says, but it's like, I don't believe you no, as like no. an imposing biblical agent of doom. You seem like a dick. Um, and then uh, God shows up and everything's solved. <laughs> right. There's, there's no, there's, there's no like, it's like exactly what you thought was going to happen, happened. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yeah. Linda Fantino's pregnant mm-hmm. with the the new baby Jesus or something. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever you know. and everybody's gonna go home. Don't care that the bishop just got his head ripped off and everybody else died. I guess it all cleaned up. The, the God cleaned it up. So. Yeah, there's a line of succession with the bishops. So yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a yeah, bishop yeah. in waiting. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I imagine it's like uh, the the White House if they have like all the members of Congress together. Mm-hmm. There's always one guy that's away, so that's the bishop who's just sitting there, just in case, just in case. Um, there he is. So yeah, that's the movie, and yeah, had interesting moments. Yes, could have said more, but it's Kevin Smith. Who has that turd monsters and Jay? Yeah, I, Kevin Smith is interesting because. It's not okay. This is maybe an interesting topic for us to explore later, hmm. but he's the only director I can think of, and maybe I'm just you know not thinking of anyone right now whose first movie is their best movie. Chasing Amy was that his first? Clerks. No. Cl- Clerks. Oh yeah, Clerks. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think that was easily mm-hmm. the best thing he's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. I, you look at his list of movies. That's the one that stands out for me. Mm-hmm. You know, not this one. Yeah. I'm trying to think like who else. I mean, he's not a one-hit wonder by any stretch. No, no, no. no so I like Mallrats. He's a very successful yeah, person. Yeah. You know, whether he's directing, producing, or writing, or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. But it's like, yeah, your first movie, your first thought, your first idea. Well, I mean, you I'm sure it wasn't. Thought, right? No, I'm sure it wasn't. But it's the first one that came to fruition to right. to, to, to us. Right. I mean, probably 25 years to make that one, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. two years to make the next one. One right. year to make, you know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's different how that works. Mm-hmm. But, uh, all right, Matt, um, I guess, do you have a, who, oh, it's that guy? I, mean, I do. Okay, let's see it. Let's hear it. New Jersey John Doe. God? That was Bud Court. Who's that? He was uh, Harold and Harold and Maude. Interesting. Yeah, he, he was, he had a lot of, he was in the, the movie MASH, the, the original movie MASH. So he was in a lot in the 70s, but then he's kind of disappeared. You see him every once in a while. Is there any reason why Kevin Smith would choose him? Not that I know of. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know of any connection to him. But Didn't know if there was like a, something in like pop culture where it's like, oh yeah, let's, just, let's get that guy for something. Well, I mean, if you, if he, I would imagine Kevin Smith's a big fan of Harold and Maude. Hmm. So I, I don't know, but that, he's the only one I saw. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just it's all those people who are part of his universe. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I mean, they, they're they very well featured, right? Yes. It's like, you know, oh, that's a person. And you recognize him right away. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, who stole the show? Matt Damon. Especially the first half of the movie. Oh, 
He were he really you really you're right. He was so good in that because you could just see the fun he was having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I mean from the very first conversation mm-hmm. with the nun, mm-hmm. and then just oh yeah, mm-hmm. just Matt Damon. Just give me more funny, loose Matt Damon. <laughs> I don't want serious Matt Damon. Um, I have a couple lines that stood out to me. Okay. Uh, no pleasure, no rapture, no sin greater than sensual air. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh, this is, I think this is Matt Damon talking. Mass genocide is the most exhausting activity one can engage in next to soccer. That's exactly the one I had. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was Matt Damon. And he kind of said, off the, it was like off the cuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and early on the soccer respect at that time, yeah, yeah. not many people were checking for soccer, so mm-hmm. good on them. That's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff, and it's all the stuff that I found was not about, like, mm-hmm. dicks or farts or mm-hmm. sex or drugs. It's right. like everything else was, was pretty funny. Yes. It could have been a lot. I, I would have... I wish he would have made it... I'd like to see him make it today. Mm-hmm. He might. It might be a little more serious, but funnier. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Is that, if that makes sense. Yeah. It does. Like, a different kind of humor. Yes. Yeah. Um, any other... Lines stuck out to you? No, that was any comment about the direction? No, it just it was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, not much of it stuck out. It was just kind of like, here's a scene, here's a scene, here's a scene, here's a new, here's a scene with a new person. Mm-hmm. Here's a problem. It's solved 45 seconds later. So it's just like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. None of it really seemed to matter. It seemed pretty uh, insignificant. In the grand scheme of things, right. even though the world was going to end, but we knew it wasn't <laughs> right. But even the characters seemed like, yeah. Oh, what do we do now? I guess go to the bar and have some shots. Like, what? That's your plan? Like, don't do that. It's always their plan. Yeah. So, no, man. Anything else you want to say about? No, I'm glad I got to see it. I mean, because like I said years ago when I started, then I just watched about ten minutes of it, five minutes or whatever it was. It, it seemed really bad, and it's not that bad. I don't think. I think it has something to say. I wish a little less dick jokes, more Matt Damon, more Alan Rickman, you know, would make it better. Less Linda Ferentino. She's the star. (laughs) No. Yeah, it's definitely an artifact of its time as far as the humor goes Mm -hmm. and what they were focusing on. I'd be curious to hear what Kevin, I'm, I'm guessing this exists somewhere, but I'm curious what he thinks about it now. Yeah. I'm guessing he has all these thoughts that we're having, you know, because he's it's 20 years later and he's matured a little bit. Yeah, and plus he seems like a pretty thoughtful dude. Right. I mean, the way he well, that's what him. I'm saying. He's a bright guy and he, he's a thinker, mm-hmm. so you don't need all that. Mm-hmm. And if he made it today, he wouldn't. I, I, I would. I would imagine he wouldn't put all that because it, it's it's a serious subject that could be funny. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm saying a dogma too mm-hmm. is not. Out of the question, right? I mean, yeah. we we just need Damon because Affleck's character is dead. And, well, and so is Damon. Oh, he died too. Yeah, oh, he died. Okay. Well, Affleck yeah. killed him, didn't oh, he? That's right. Bring him back. <laughs> um, so I didn't realize that Kevin Smith was a producer on Good Will Hunting, which is the connection. Oh, is that, oh, I see. Okay. So maybe it was like a "You owe me," <laughs> you little piss ants. <laughs> they just seem like both friends because Affleck was in Chasing, Chasing Amy. Amy, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, there's there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of connections like if you're looking like the 
the cast of this movie and like previous Affleck Damon project, there's a lot of like overlap and yeah. mm-hmm. it just, it, I mean, that's what it seemed like. It seemed like a lot of people just kind of having fun on the set and you know, maybe they shot it in 25 days. Maybe it could have been 32 days and get some extra takes. That's right. <laughs> It'll make it a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, for so many funny new people in this movie, it's not that funny except for Damon and Alan Rickman. I, I think the rest of it isn't that funny. So Those classic comedians, yeah, right. Matt Damon and Alan Rickman. <laughs> All right, Matt, you want to get some scores and get out of here? All right, I'm going to say 7-5. Wow, you went high, but not that high. So this is 208,000 reviews checking in. Wow. <laughs> one of the most. Yeah. It's one of the most. I mean, so definitely people are watching it. Uh, 7.3 on IMDb. It's right at that okay. scarecrow threshold. Scarecrow threshold. Um, yeah, it's it's really. This is one of the movies where it's hard for me to separate when I first watched it to now because I feel like they're very different experiences. I mean, watching it alone. It's two different movies. At six a.m. in my condo as a married man versus yeah. eighteen year olds in a movie theater, probably half drunk with my buddies. Right. You know? Yeah. Different. And then Rotten Tomatoes, very interesting. Uh, eight critics, sixty-seven. Hmm, kind of lukewarm. <laughs> oh, I'd say they're crapping on it. Yeah. So sixty-seven audience is eighty-five percent. With again over two hundred fifty plus. Reviews. That's not as high as I thought it would be. Eighty-five. Yeah. What do you think it would be? Well, I think with the audience, it's probably around nine. You know. No. So this is the uh, critics' consensus. Provocative and audacious, dogma is an uneven but thoughtful religious satire that's both respectful and irreverent. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty, uh, way to nail that in one sentence. Critics consensus. See if I can find a bad one here um, from someone that is famous. I'm just looking very quickly. Hmm. Nothing's really sticking out here. Um, all right, so Matt, next week we are continuing with Vim Vendors, right? Right. Did I say vendors or vendors? Vim vendors. Vim vendors. Might be vendors. I don't know. I, I, I heard it pronounced Vim vendors. You know, so. With Paris, Texas. With, um, oh God, what's his name? Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Yes. And then we are going to also check out a movie called Tokyo Sonata from 2008. And so I guess our theme is families suck. <laughs> Is that accurate? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so next week, uh, Paris, Texas, and Tokyo Sonata. Okay. Peace. Bye. He's a Philistine. What's a Philistine? It's a guy who doesn't care about books or interesting films and things. But I'm a Philistine. No, you're interested in books and things. No, I'm a Philistine. You've been shitting in my yard. I have not. You want me to hold the chicken, huh? I want you to hold it between your knees. <laughs> so, Jane, what you do here in effect is count boners.
it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs>